3: Welcome to Main Street Vegan with hosts Victoria and Adair Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here with her daughter, Adair, a lifelong vegan and an actress, a playwright, and a stunt performer to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now let's get this party started. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair.
4: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio. I'm Victoria Moran. And I'm Adair. And for those of you who are new to our show, we'll just start out telling you a little bit about us. We are a mother-daughter team and the co-authors of the (laughs) still-new book called Main Street Vegan, Everything You Need to Know to Eat Healthfully and Live Compassionately in the Real World. And people are loving our book. You know it's going into its second printing, which That's is really, exciting. really cool. Yes. And and we've been endorsed by Russell Simmons and Moby and all kinds of fabulous people. But the best thing is to hear from real people who say, I read your book, it changed my life. And you know when your life change in this changes in this way, it also changes the world. It's a great big old ripple effect. So Adair, what are you up to this week?
5: Um, Well, let's see. I um, I had my uh, orientation for my new wildlife volunteer job, so that was kind of fun. I got to go and play with the wildlife.
4: Well, this is quite the wildlife day. This is our sanctuary show. Both of our guests will come from different animal sanctuaries. In our second segment we'll be talking to Katie Vandergriff from the Wild Animal Sanctuary in in Colorado and in the third segment we'll have Dr. Ron Allison who is the board president for Pigs Sanctuary in West Virginia. But now when you talk about the wildlife in New York City that's probably a little different from what Katie is going to be telling us about lions and tigers and bears, oh my.
5: Well, it is, and actually for a long time, New York was the only major city without a wildlife rehab center because people thought there's no wildlife here. But um, luckily, the, uh, the Wild Bird Fund has expanded. They no longer just do birds. They do any wildlife that we have in the city, um, although it is still mostly birds. So I'm going to be helping out there and learning how to uh, how to rehab stuff. Oh, and I heard you got to hang out with baby squirrels this weekend. I did. I, um, I have to get a rabies shot if I'm actually going to work with the squirrels, but I did get to see the baby squirrels, and they are really, really cute. Oh, squirrels are great. Do you
4: remember when we had a guest back when we lived in Kansas City, and we'd gone to Tibet. We had the amazing good fortune in the 1990s to be able to go to Asia twice, China, Nepal, India and in tibet and we met a young woman there who later emigrated to this country and she stayed with us for a while and she couldn't keep her eyes off the squirrels it was just like what are those cute little animals because they don't have squirrels in Lhasa.
5: yeah well i think it's like when i was just in africa i just loved the baboons i thought they were so fun and over there they're kind of pests they don't really like the baboons well that's what happens
4: when there's Too much familiarity, I suppose, but I think I could look at baboons every day of the week and not get tired of them. So we have a question that came in online. In fact, we have several, but I want to get to at least this one. The question is, I want to do a detox, but I don't want to just drink juice. Is there any in-between route? Well, I think so. Because when we're really talking about detoxing, and it's it's a strange word, and I know it's controversial, and you see the whole detox thing a little bit differently than I do.
5: Yeah, well, I just, you know, when I read the science behind it, I feel like there hasn't been much conclusive science that detoxes are effective. Now, that being said, some people would consider veganism a detox or a high-fiber diet a detox, so, in that case, that can be healthy well that 's how you look at it i 've read a lot and actually experienced
4: a lot about the power of fasting. Anybody who wants to look up the sh- the show we had with Dr. Frank Sabatino a few weeks ago who works in in fasting and cleansing with people and and some of the stories the a-, a woman a- recovering from even elephant man's disease. It's it's really quite a thing. But as our questioner is saying, I think she just wants to maybe get off caffeine and sugar and some of that sort of stuff for a while rather than, than going all the way to juices or fasting. So, yes, anything that you stop consuming for a period of time is going to allow your body to detox from that substance. Now, when you think about detoxing, So many organs and systems of the body are there to detox. It's either their total job, such as the lymphatic system, or it's part of their job. So your skin, for instance, is is a powerful detoxification organ. The liver, we know, is detoxing things like drugs, alcohol, working really, really hard. And sometimes it's good to just give those organs a nice rest. So one thing that you can do is, as Adair said, do a plant-based diet, a vegan plant. Get rid of the animal products if you haven't already. And also, for the period of the detox, you might want to look at letting go caffeine, alcohol, gluten, and sugar. Because these are the things that people get addicted to in our culture. And if you can do that, Uh, Some people do 30 days. Some people do 21 days. I think you'll notice a lot of change. And what some people find is after a a period of of time like that, they'll stick with the plant-based. They'll have some sweets for a special occasion. And maybe they'll say, I'm going back to caffeine. (laughs) That one I really like.
5: But it is helpful to just kind of give your body a rest. But it sounds like what you're talking about is really just a very healthful diet. Like that is something that could be maintained long term if you're just cutting out all the bad stuff. I feel like I hear a lot about these celebrity detoxes and I'm very suspicious of them. Well, so, like I am every have... other week Beyonce or somebody is doing some kind of crazy fad detox. Right. Well, you you don't want to do
4: the fads. I I do believe in a juice cleansing though, just because we rest every other part of ourselves. You know, you're tired, you put your feet up, we sleep at night. You ask somebody to give you a back rub just so that you can rest and relax. We never give that to our digestive system. So I like to do a little cleanse during the change of the seasons. You know, there is going to be some pounding in the background. Apologies for that. We were hoping that the show was during a time when they were not doing construction upstairs, but they are. So if you hear any hammering, it's not in your computer. It's in our building. But I do three to five days at the change of the season, a little reboot. Love that film, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. <laughs> it's very inspiring about someone who did a long juice cleanse and healed himself of an autoimmune condition. So the exciting thing about my little five-day juice fast coming up from, for summer to fall 2012 is that William, my husband, said he's going to do it with me. I was very excited about that. Because when I first brought it up, he said, are you kidding, no red wine? And I said, yes, that means no red wine. And he wanted nothing to do with it. And then I just said, okay, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And he reconsidered and said, okay, I will too. So that's going to be fun. All these things are more fun when there's somebody with you. At
5: least he's not a real foodie, so that probably makes it
4: easier. Yes, that's true. He's one of those people who is not uh, too closely tied to the world of calories. But speaking of food, I have a re- recipe. Okay, I have a recipe of the week and it's actually one that I created myself. So that means it's not going to have all the perfect measurements. You're going to have to be a little bit um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little intuitive on the recipe here. It's called Creamy Greeny Beanie Soup. And you know what? I've lost it. I'm going to have to look for the recipe while we talk about other things. Let's play our song, and then I'll look for creamy, creamy, greeny, beanie, soup, and y'all can get a pencil or whatever you need to write that down. We are premiering today, Adair, a brand new song. This is called A Sanctuary Song. The words and the music are by Daniel Redwood, Dr. Daniel Redwood, The arrangements, the mix, and the instrumentation come from Gerald Trotman. The beautiful vocals are from Gerald's wife, Angie Trotman. They're down there in Nashville doing the Music City thing. Daniel Redwood is in Overland Park, Kansas. And a sanctuary song was inspired when Daniel and his wife, Beth, visited Farm Sanctuary, one of of the original uh, sanctuaries for farmed animals. It was introduced to us, to William and me, for the in-development feature film, Miss Liberty, about a cow who escapes from a slaughterhouse. So we would love to invite you to be the first people anywhere to hear a sanctuary song.
0: You are someone, not something. You're welcome here with your broken knee or wounded leg or branded skin. See. You.
4: And thanks to Daniel Redwood for that exquisite song and to Gerald Trotman and Angie Trotman for their wonderful talents contributing to a sanctuary song. If you want to read more about Miss Liberty, the film that is in development, and that means... It's in the beginning stages, so we're happy to accept any prayers on that. But if you want to read the the treatment, the little story of our fictional cow who escapes from a slaughterhouse, you can go to MainStreetVegan.net and just click on MSV Productions. In fact, this would be a great day to go to MainStreetVegan.net anyway because there's something new on the homepage. It's a photograph of Tala, one of Adair's dogs, Reading Main Street Vegan. She looks well, so cute. I know. And she might not be actually reading, but she oh, certainly. Of she
5: is. She's a genius. Oh, okay.
4: Okay, I thought okay, maybe she, she might just... she
5: might be napping on Main Street Vegan. Okay, but she looks
4: very cute. It's a great picture, and we've added there the quote from Ellen DeGeneres that says, "Main Street Vegan offers practical advice for and information for anyone interested in going vegan, no matter what tax bracket you're in." So, thanks to Ellen DeGeneres, we love you, Ellen. Oh, there's so many good people in the world. And there's also something new on the website, on the coaching section. You'll see a special little banner, and it says, Get Coaching with Vegan of the Year 2012. Did we talk about that last week? I think we did. Oh, okay. Well, it's still 2012. And I'm still sharing Vegan of the Year with Dr. Michael Clapper, who's going to be our guest on the show. No, Dr. Michael Clapper, I'm sorry. He's coming on later with Dr. Michael Greger, who will be our guest on the show the first Wednesday of October. So lots and lots going on. If you would like to call us and join in on this party, the toll-free number is 888-558-6489. That's 888-558-6489. And after these messages, we're going to be hearing from Katie Vandergrift. Of the Wild Animal Sanctuary, sponsored by the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Conservation Center, out in California at 700 in Colorado. What is with me today? I probably need to do a detox right now. It is a refuge for um, large carnivores who have been confiscated from illegal and abusive situations. So that's going to be very interesting. Now, you weren't hanging out with carnivores this weekend, but you did meet a turtle.
5: I did. I met a one-eyed turtle uh, who is being rehabbed at Wild Bird Fund, and I I fed some baby pigeons, which is actually kind of difficult.
4: Because you have to help them?
5: Well, they are reluctant to take food from a
4: non-pigeon. I see. Well, that's probably a wise thing if you're a pigeon. Okay, everybody, stay with us through this break time, and we'll be back with more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about The Soul of Money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality
6: that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste.
3: Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section.
0: Five this year and we're throwing the biggest bash of all a cruise to the caribbean november 10 through 17 2012 we'll celebrate in style aboard holland america lines Eurodam, with sunshine fine dining and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the eastern caribbean plus feed your spirit with music message and meditation Your favorite hosts will be there, and we hope you will join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, visit www.unity.fm forward slash cruise.
3: listening to main street vegan with victoria and adair moran if you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest we invite you to like victoria moran author on facebook and post your questions and comments now back to main street vegan
0: Hey
4: everybody, welcome back to Main Street Vegan for our sanctuary show today. I'm Victoria Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Victoria underscore Moran.
5: And I'm on Twitter. I think I'm just Adair Moran, no underscore. Yeah,
4: that's right. You are just Adair Moran because there are fewer Adairs in the world than there are Victoria's. That's how it goes. We are so happy to be bringing on our first guest today, Katie Vandergrift, Public Relations Director for the Wild Animal Sanctuary. The sanctuary is 30 miles northeast of Denver, and it is a refuge for large carnivores who have been confiscated from illegal or abusive situations. Katie got her bachelor's in public relations from the University of Georgia in 2008 and always knew she wanted to use her experience in education toward bettering the lives of animals and she now applies those skills at the Wild Animal Sanctuary. Welcome Katie Vandergrift.
6: Thank you so much for having me. Well,
4: we're absolutely thrilled. Now, it's That's very interesting. I met you at a vegetarian conference at the uh, Colorado Vegetarian Festival, and the animals that you are caring for are not vegetarian.
6: No, unfortunately, they are not. They are large carnivores, and they do consume a lot of meat, Um, but a lot of us here at the sanctuary that work here are vegetarians and vegans, but our large carnivores are not.
4: And it it all works out, and we have some friends who are with PETA who are doing work on the um, laboratory meat where they can grow meat on a Petri dish, and if that ever comes to be, what a wonderful thing for carnivores who need to be carnivores. So welcome to the show. We just want to know everything about these these wild beings that you are hanging out with, where do they come from?
6: Yeah, so we rescue all of our animals from illegal or abusive situations. So we have rescued these animals from people's backyards, from roadside attractions, breeding rings, fur farms, hunting ranges, you name it. We've unfortunately seen it. And as crazy as it sounds, the majority of these animals were trying to be kept as pets. You know, people were paying just a couple of hundred dollars at an auction or finding a site online and just paying a couple hundred dollars and getting a cute and cuddly lion or tiger, and then they quickly grow up and they get very strong and they require a lot of Space and a lot of food and people panic and they just decide to put them in the horse trailers and air ducts and basements and crawl spaces um, and that's where we get called in. Um, we work really closely with the United States Department of Agriculture as well as all the Department of Wildlife around the country um, and state authorities as well. So these animals are confiscated and unfortunately sometimes they're in really bad situations and then we bring them here and we provide them lifelong homes. And our ultimate goal for all of our animals is to put them into large acreage habitats and let them have as much of a wildlife as possible and let them roam freely for the rest of their lives.
5: And do you do solely big cats or do you have other exotic animals?
6: We specialize in large carnivores. We actually have over 70 tigers. We have over 70 black bears. We have 13 grizzly bears. We have over 40 African lions. We also have wolves. Mountain lions, leopards, but we do have smaller guys such as bobcats, lynx, African servals, and aquatimundis, and then we even have a camel and two horses, but we um, specifically specialize in rescuing large carnivores. Um, there's not a lot of places out there that can take care of large carnivores, one, because of how dangerous they are, and two, because of how expensive it is to care for them.
4: Do you have a sense of the psychological state of someone who actually thinks that he or she can keep a tiger on the back porch? I mean, what are it is. these it's, people like?
6: You know, it's it's really hard to comprehend because ninety nine percent of the population realizes that it's not a, it's not a very good idea to try to raise a lion or a tiger, you know, as a pet. It's pretty much just a ticking time bomb. But that 1% thinks that if I get this animal at a really young age, when it's only a couple days old, I will bring it into my home and I will try to love it as much as possible. And then maybe this animal, you know, won't try to hurt me and won't attack me. And I will try to domesticate it as much as possible. But, again, unfortunately, it's a ticking time bomb, and they grow up to be very powerful animals very quickly. And, unfortunately, a lot of times these animals are also declawed and defanged. So people try to take away what can hurt them ultimately, and the animals have to pay the price. So there is that person that still thinks that I can domesticate these animals. And even though they're born and raised, captivity, which means they've never been in the wild and they never will be in the wild, you know, they still have wild instincts and you never know when they're going to come out. And these animals, again, require a lot of food and a lot of space and just every person doesn't realize, you know, how to take care of them. And unfortunately, again, that animal has to pay the price.
4: So how does it work in a sanctuary for these kinds of animals? Are, are they together? Are they separated by species? Are they separated by gender?
6: Yeah, that's a really good question. So we specialize in species specific habitats. So tigers live with tigers, lions live with tigers, lions, you know, wolves live, live with wolves. Um, And we actually neuter all of our males upon arrival just because we don't want to increase the captive population because there's already so many other animals out there that are looking for forever homes. It would be an injustice to those animals as well as the animals that we have here. Um, The only animals that we do not neuter are African lions because if we neutered them, their manes would fall out. And since our lions here roam in pride, their manes play a really important role in that pride process. So we actually put a contraceptive implant into the female which not only eliminates them from being able to breed, it also eliminates them from going into heat so the males don't have that competition amongst each other either. So
4: how was your sanctuary started?
6: It was actually started in nineteen eighty by our current executive director, Pat Craig. Um, he was only nineteen years old at the time, and you know when you're nineteen you don 't know what you're going to do for the rest of your life, but he was actually just taking a casual behind the scenes tour at a zoo. Um, his friend was a groundskeeper there, so it was able to bring him to places that the public typically isn't able to go to and He saw all of these animals, specifically large carnivores, that were in these really small cages. He said there were cages that you know, weren't even big enough that he would put his dog into. And he asked his friend, you know, what are all of these animals back here? Why aren't they in the exhibits running around? And, you know, the friend explained that these are all of our surplus animals. He's like, what do you mean surplus animals? You know, well, we do a lot of breeding here, you know, and sometimes we just don't have room for all of these animals. So, you know, we try to find them homes, but if we can't find homes for them, we're going to euthanize them. And... Pat was just baffled by the whole thing and just couldn't get it out of his head, so he made all of these phone calls, you know, to the government agencies, all these types of officials, you know, saying, why is this, you know, legal? Can't we do something about it? You know, what can I do? And they said, you can open up a licensed facility. And so that's exactly what he did right outside of Boulder, Colorado, and he sent out a letter to every zoo in the country, and he got over 300 responses within the first month which just showed what a need there was for a sanctuary for large carnivores because there were so many places that had these surplus animals um, that were facing being euthanized. And that's still the story today that all of the animals that we have here, if we didn't rescue them, they would have been euthanized, unfortunately.
4: Wow. And I have been told at times that because I won't go to zoos, I'm fanatical, but now you've given me one more reason for not going. So, yeah, you
6: know, in zoos, they've come a long ways, and they don't breed, you know, nearly as much. But you know, in the seventies and eighties, you know, that was a very big problem. You know, that zoos, you know, were facing then, um, and and was part of the problem, and still is, unfortunately. That that surplus, you know, did leak into the private sector.
5: Well, and if you want to go see animals, can people come visit your sanctuary and see the animals there?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So we are open daily to the public, and that's to educate about the captive wildlife crisis. A lot of people, including myself before I even started here, didn't realize what a big problem it is. So we are open daily, and it's actually an elevated uh, mile into the wild walkway. So you actually walk over all of the animals. You know, a lot of these animals are very territorial, and when you're constantly having strangers on eye level, they can become very upset. It's kind of like when you come home from work at the end of the day, you want to close out the world, you want to sit down, you want to relax, but then you look behind you, and there's constantly a stranger. Staring in your window. And it's going to, of course, make you very uncomfortable. You're going to call the authorities to get them out of there. But that's how these large carnivores feel when there's constantly people on eye level with them. And they don't see air as territory. And so we're actually one of the only places that utilizes an elevated walkway system. Um, so it's less invasive to the animals that way. But then that also gives you a very good view of these animals roaming freely in these natural acreage habitats.
4: And how do people find you? What's your website?
6: It's www.wildanimalsanctuary.org. Well, that's
4: easy. So what does it cost to maintain one of these animals?
6: So on average, for one of our big cats, so that's our lions and tigers and even our bears, it for one animal for one year for basic care is about $8,000.
4: And are you funded by the government or organizations?
6: Yeah, that's a great question. So we are a nonprofit. We don't get any type of government funding. So it's just everyday people that believe in our cause that allows us to continue our mission. And we are currently actually, with over 300 large carnivores, we are feeding about 20,000 pounds of food per week um, to these animals. And that $8,000 to care for just one of them doesn't even include if they get sick or if medical expenses that they have to go through, you know, in that year. There's a lot of great ways that you can help. Our website goes into a lot of great detail about different ways that you can help. We have an adoption program. We have a pledge program. You can just, you can come visit, which is a great way to help. You can buy stuff in our gift shop. You know, there, word of mouth is a very powerful marketing tool for us. So there's a lot of great ways and our website definitely goes into a great amount of detail, you know, about the different ways that you can help these animals.
4: And we have an online question here. We touched on this earlier, but somebody wants a little more detail. They're asking, um, what kind of food do you feed them?
6: Yeah, so as you know, with our large carnivores, you know, they do eat meat. So we actually, since we're regulated by the USDA, all of our meat comes from a special USDA-regulated plant. So it's a special blend of different meats, and it's enhanced with nutrients and vitamins. Um, And we give them frozen blocks of meat. It actually is better for their um, mouth, and it prevents gingivitis. So they get frozen large blocks of meat. And it comes from out, it's called AAA meat out of Burlington, Colorado.
4: And what about winter? I mean, when you think about tigers and, and lions, some of the animals mm-hmm. that Adair just saw a couple of weeks ago in Africa, you're in Colorado. How did they deal with the snow and the cold?
6: Yeah, so most of our animals were born and raised within the United States. So they're sometimes third, fourth, fifth, even ten generations out of the wild. And even some parts of Africa get cold in the winter, and Siberian tigers have really large bellies to keep them um, nice and warm while laying on the ice. Um, So there are... They already are somewhat acclimated, Um, and you just like a lot of people that live out in Colorado, they know when the sun's out, even if there's snow on the ground, it can still feel really good, and they acclimate really quickly. I actually see them more affected by the summer heat than the winter, and the summer, you know, they like to sleep during the day, and they're more active in the morning and the evening. And in the winter, they're more active throughout the day because they're 500 to 1,000 pounds, you know, worth of fur that keeps them nice and insulated. But regardless, we do provide all of our animals, either underground or above-ground dens, that they can go into for whatever reason
4: that and may bears be. bears hibernate? Is that really true? They- <laughs>
6: Yes, it's pretty incredible. You know, a lot of these animals are rescued from concrete cages and pits, and so they've never stepped on grass in their lives, let alone ever hibernated. And it just shows giving these animals the right environment that their natural instincts kick in. And our underground dens actually stay 60 degrees year-round, so it's warm enough for them um, in the winter and it's cool enough for them in the summer. And our bears usually go down around Thanksgiving, and sometimes we don't even see them until March, April, or even May, which is just incredible. Um, We get really excited when we see these animals' wild instincts kick in and they do what comes so naturally to them. So
4: are they all really wild by nature, or were some of them with humans so long that staff is able to interact with them?
6: So we try to minimize our interaction with these animals as much as possible, just because we do respect them as wild animals. And regardless if they were raised by humans or not, you know, they're still very powerful. They might not instinctively want to kill you, but even just jumping on you with their paws or just, playfully biting you a certain way, you know, can still really hurt you, you know, and do a lot of damage. So we have a very hands-off approach here. We do everything through the fences. Of course, we do have some animals, you know, that want that human attention, you know, and then we also have animals that could care less about us. They just want us to feed them, and that's you know, the end of our relationship with them. So we respect the animals across the board, that they're wild, they have wild instincts, you know, that they're very strong and powerful. So we do everything through the fences, you know. Of course, our animal caretakers, you know, might scratch them, you know, through the fences, but that's about the extent of our interaction with them.
4: Now, Adair asked about visitors, and you have visitors every day. And if anybody's interested in that, check out wildanimalsanctuary.org. But just quickly, can people volunteer? If we've got some people out there in Colorado who would find this fascinating?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So as a nonprofit, we have a really small staff. So we heavily rely on our volunteer program. Um, You can find more information about our volunteer program on our website under Ways to Help. Um, We ask for at least a six-month commitment and at least two days Per month, and they actually rotate through animal care, maintenance, and education. They get to be involved in all aspects of the sanctuary, and we would never be able to get everything done without our volunteers. So, if there's anyone that's listening right now um, that would that are interested in volunteering, you know, please check out our website, or you can give us a call at three zero three five three six zero one one eight. The great way to give back to the animals.
4: Oh, Katie, thank you so much. Katie Vandergriff from the Wild Animal Sanctuary. We've got about 30 seconds left. What would you like people to know?
6: Yeah, again, I encourage everyone to check out our website to find out more information about us. You know, we are open daily to the public um, to educate about the captive wildlife crisis. We are the oldest and largest nonprofit sanctuary um, in the Western Hemisphere. And even if you're just in the United States coming here, you really get, you know, it's a safari in Denver's, you know, backyard. It's, it's quite incredible to see all of these animals roaming freely as much as possible in large acreage habitats. You're not going to see That's a Great
4: phrase, Safari in Denver. Thanks so much, Katie. Thanks, everybody. Stay with us. We will be back to talk about pigs, a sanctuary, right after this.
6: Thank you very much.
3: What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet,
1: Do you feel stuck? Are you a success story to everybody but yourself? Are you tired of getting ready to get ready? If you answer yes to any of these questions, then tune in every Wednesday to Design Your Life with Rev. Kevin Ross and Friends. Get ready to answer your life's highest calling. Reclaim your life with Rev. Kevin and Friends and explore distinctions for becoming a person of purpose, power, passion, and peace and prosperity call in with your questions and comments for real-time coaching and conversation committed to inspiring and empowering you to design and live the life of your dreams that's design your life with reverend kevin ross and friends every wednesday right here on unity fm the voice of an awakening world
3: for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair.
4: Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. It occurs to me that I never gave you the recipe. I'll do this really quickly, and then we'll put it on the blog at MainStreetVegan.net. Creamy, greeny, beanie soup. This is so good for you. You start out by sautéing some onion and garlic. And then you're going to mix that with steamed kale, chickpeas, vegetable broth, some curry powder, get that all blended together in your blender, put in a little lemon juice, and some chopped tomato if you want some texture there. This is so, so good, and it has antioxidants out the kazoo. So watch, I said curry powder. Yes, Adair is pointing to the spices because she's a spicy girl. I thought
5: you left out some of the spices. No. No? Okay.
4: Curry powder covers a multitude. So that will go on the MainStreetVegan.net blog. And now it is my pleasure to introduce our guest, Ron Allison, M.D., who is board president of Pig's a Sanctuary in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Dr. Allison has been an ethical vegan for 25 years and became involved with Pig's Sanctuary 10 years ago. Because when he moved to eastern North Carolina and saw the abuses of factory farming firsthand, he knew he had to do something. Welcome, Dr. Allison.
7: Hello. Thank you for having me on.
4: Well, you shared with me something that just went on a couple of weeks ago in your area called a pig picking. What on earth was that?
7: Well, you know, every place in the country has its own idiosyncrasies, and uh, eastern North Carolina has this thing called a pig picking, which is quite popular, where you actually have an entire pig on a spit, and everybody picks the pig, and it's a party atmosphere, although I don't think it's much of a party for the poor animal.
4: And what happened?
7: Well, uh, believe it or not, the cancer center that I uh, was affiliated with decided as a fundraiser to have a pig picking And uh, when I went to the event and saw that this pig picking was on the silent auction, I uh, outbid everybody, and believe it or not, it was a very popular item. (laughs) And uh, we went to the farm, and we picked up the pig, which was a shock to the farmer. We took that pig up to Pig Sanctuary, and uh, that pig is having a very good life right now at the sanctuary uh, rather than being part of a barbecue.
5: Oh, what a lucky pig.
4: Yeah, that's a very
7: lucky
4: pig. Well, we love Pigs a Sanctuary. It was the very first animal sanctuary I ever visited. And I actually saw something that looked like the barnyard scene that they try to tell kids really goes on in barnyards. This little pig went and got the little kid, little baby goat, and together they went to get a little lamb, and then the three of them just played in the meadow. I will never forget that sight as long as I live.
5: I am at these two little spotted piglets, and this was, I think, in '04. So these are probably very large pigs now, but they were about the cutest thing I've ever seen. Yes,
7: so we and, love. Uh, it's also amazing just how smart these animals are. Uh, when we brought that pig in from the farm, you know, it really had never interacted with people, so it got to be uh, quite friendly quickly, and turned out to be much more intelligent than our very intelligent dogs and was leading our dogs as the leader of the pack. So I have a a tremendous respect for how intelligent uh, pigs are, and it's a shame that they're a food staple.
5: I was also amazed when I visited, I remember I met Ernie, the pig who was taller than me, and and, uh, I didn't realize they get that big if they're not slaughtered.
7: Well, you know, they are uh, bred now to become gigantic quickly uh, because they're a commodity but these animals can get to be five six seven eight hundred a thousand pounds and they're they're gigantic and they're cute and but they're gigantic and even the pot-bellied pigs which are usually not pot belly pigs in reality uh, an adult pot belly pig it will be 100 150 pounds so people really don't know what they're getting into when when they use those animals as uh, sort of an adoption, but the the farm pigs are gigantic, and uh, they don't often get to be full size, unfortunately.
4: Now, it's my understanding that Pigs is Sanctuary, and you can find out more about this wonderful organization at pigs.org, started out as a refuge for potbelly pigs. A couple of gentlemen Um, had a a co-worker who had bought, I guess, this pot-bellied pig. The pig got too big. She didn't know what to do. So they took the pig in, and it started from there. But then other animals started coming. So this is not just a sanctuary for pigs. It's pigs and lots of other creatures.
7: That's right. Every every creature under the sun practically has uh, graced the doors of pigs. They've all been abused or all have been in need. And uh, the pigs are the, the number one animal in terms of aurora of numbers, but every other type of animal has been there, and they all have their special needs, and many of them have been injured, so they've been uh, veterinary cared for and are living out their lives in the sun and for the pigs in the mud.
4: Ah, oh, that's so sweet. So what does the sanctuary need from
7: us? Well... We need a few things. We always are open to donations because we're 100% donor-based and uh, there's no funds coming in from any place. So anybody who's got a few extra dollars and wants to make it go to help the animals, 100% of their dollar will go and stay on the sanctuary. Um, you can find out some more information at pigs.org. And we also have a, a birthday bash coming up. Um, believe it or not, the sanctuary has been around for 20 years, which is quite a number. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful bash in washington dc and there's somebody named victoria who's coming to speak too so it'll be a wonderful event and that might be you on september 19th so i'm hoping that people will look up pics or perhaps just come to the party on september 19th in washington dc and uh, have a good time and learn more about us
4: well, I am so looking forward to being there. And I think sometimes people are afraid when they hear fundraiser. They think it's going to be very, very expensive. This is a $25 fundraiser. And I think if you pay 42 you get a copy of Main Street Vegan. <laughs> so that's right. please, please well, that's look that, that up. That is reason enough to come. I would love to meet everybody. Let us know that you heard about pigs on um, uh, Unity.fm. So uh, tell me, Dr. Allison... What's your heart connection to animals and to pigs A sanctuary?
7: Well, um, a long time ago, uh, I inherited some fish, and I learned very quickly that even those little fish were quite affectionate and uh, quite knowledgeable about who was in the room, who was going to feed them, who was going to help them. And from there, I learned, you know, where animals on your dinner plate came from, and that point I pretty much just stopped using animals in any, any sense and uh, since that time which is a long time now I've gone out of my way to help whatever animals might be uh, in, in need and certainly have my own little menagerie of abused dogs and cats but in terms of pigs uh, they really help out. They've got animals there that have been experimented on. They have animals there that were rescued from floods. So um, a friend to animals is the way I like to look at myself.
4: So, as a physician and someone interacting in the community, how is it for you to to be a vegan and to have these sensibilities?
7: Well, you know um, I am a practicing oncologist and i've reviewed this i 've treated about twenty three thousand individuals and none of them have been vegetarian or vegan, although many have had uh, pet animals and have been friends to animals so i 'm sort of in a, a little bit of a, a small group that in that way, but uh, what i 've tried to do in my practice is whenever anybody's interested, even though they have cancer, I try to explain to them the importance of diet and lifestyle to try to help fight the cancer and maybe prevent the cancer from coming back so uh, yeah it's it's uh, it 's uncommon really because most people are eating meat even if it 's a little bit, but in the last year or two, I have to say i 've noticed a lot more individuals and patients are much more interested in nutrition. So I do think things are, are changing, although uh, if your lifestyle has been to be surrounded by people who smoke and drink and eat a lot of fried foods and meat, it's it's hard for a young person to see how unhealthy that is because that's the norm. And in eastern North Carolina, where I live now, it really ranks uh, in terms of health among the worst in the entire United States. If, if eastern North Carolina was its own state, it would uh, be ranking at the bottom in terms of health due to obesity, cancer, heart disease. So in my own little way, I try my best to help my patients, but uh, it's an uphill fight that way.
4: Oh, well, it sounds like you do a lot. We've got just a couple of minutes left, so what would you like people to know about Pigs a Sanctuary?
7: Well, I'd like them to know that there's a place where animals who have been abused, if they get lucky enough to be there, they can live out their lives quite Quite well, but of course, uh, nothing is for free. And if anybody is interested in supporting, even a few dollars a year would go a long way. They can just go to pigs.org and look at all the good things that are being done at that sanctuary. But I would be particularly pleased if anybody was listening and were near the Washington, D.C. area and would go out on September 19th. I think they would enjoy a, a very nice vegan. Um, set of hors d'oeuvres and hear somebody who is very 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 bright and knowledgeable about animals giving some nice little talk in the beautiful book and it would be a wonderful evening so i'm hoping that your listeners might be in the washington area september 19th and they can go find about these tickets at pigs.org
4: How wonderful. And we're talking 2012. I forget that we go on iTunes after this, and somebody could be listening, Lord knows when. But even if it's long past the event, pigs.org will still be there rescuing pigs and cows and chickens and all kinds of other beings. So thank you so much, Dr. Allison. That website is pigs.org. Adair, thanks for the show today. You're welcome. And we will see you you back here one week from today with more Main Street Vegan on Unity.fm, Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
3: Thank you for listening to main street vegan join us every wednesday at 2 p.m central time as victoria and adair moran entertain educate and inspire you on your vegan journey this program is sponsored by main street vegan To learn more about Victoria and Adair or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net.
8: the voice of an awakening world.
0: Letting go in the stillness.
2: Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God you are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you. But God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly.
3: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing, only on Unity FM.